Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Coy McGinnis was an excellent singer, songwriter, and preacher. God used his ministry mightily over the decades in the holiness movement. The sermon that you're going to hear today was preached at God's Bible School and College Fall Revival back in 1986, and he titled it, Caught Up or Caught. You're going to enjoy this message. express my appreciation for what is going on here. I'm delighted with what I have experienced since I have been here this week staying on the campus. I think that God's Bible School is, is well blessed in the excellent leadership of Brother Miller. And I feel like that God has put him here at a very a very convenient time for the kingdom. And I congratulate him and faculty and staff and student body. I've been on several, several college campuses as evangelist and I can say that I have been treated as well here as I have been anywhere that I've been. You young folks are very courteous and you've been very kind, you've been very, very friendly and I like that. I think God's people ought to be friendly. I think if anybody in the world ought to be friendly, it ought to be an old-time Christian. <laughs> if anybody has anything to smile about, we do. If anybody has any reason to shake a hand and spread cheer, we do. We're the children of the heavenly king. I've enjoyed the visit here. It's always good to get to be around old friends like, like Brother Larry Jewell. Lord bless his heart. <laughs> and Father Jewel over here as well. <laughs> We've had a good time together. I've really enjoyed my stay here this week. I have been a little tired just coming off the camp meeting circuit, <clears throat> but I have had a good time. And again, I am deeply impressed by progress is being made here for the kingdom of God's sake. God bless you. Keep up the good work. As I remember what Brother Miller said, I look out across this audience of fine young folks, remember this. If Jesus tarries from somewhere here and here from this crowd, there has to be some more that are going to be willing to stand up and be counted for Jesus and fill the place of these who will someday, because of time, need to be going off to the heavenly kingdom for a rest. And when they're gone, then it's your job. So you are required by Jesus Christ the Savior to build your character and strengthen your faith 
and take hold of responsibility so you can pick up where others must lay down. Shall we stand together, if you will, please? <clears throat> In the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians tonight, the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians tonight, I'm going to read a few verses, and I'll begin reading at verse number 15, and then we'll read the rest of that chapter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words shall we pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will come tonight and enliven our mind and heart. Oh God, we want to say the right thing in this service. We want to be obedient to the voice of God, but we want the Spirit of God to speak through these lips of clay tonight and touch that heart that has not yet responded to God's voice in this service. To speak to that one that has not yet been obedient to the call of God's Holy Spirit. Lord, may we not close this service tonight with those still left outside the reach of God's grace, but may we find the closing of this meeting tonight. All of those who have needy hearts finding those needs met and supplied. Have your precious way, Lord, and give us extra strength and help for this particular situation. And for all you do for us, we'll praise you, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. From verse number 17 of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians again. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There are two words in this verse tonight that I want you to look at first. Those words are caught up. Then I want you to take the smaller of those two words, which only has two letters. And I want you to lift those two letters and that single small word from that phrase and see what you have left. And you will agree with me that if you're looking at this particular passage and these particular words, it's either caught up or caught. It has to be one or the other. And the little word up that is in there, of course, uh, is directive in the sense that uh, when we are caught up, we are taken up by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in resurrection. Now I know that these Thessalonians had a real concern when they have approached the apostle on the matter of their loved ones and their death and departure and what happened after death and all of that. So Paul returned the inquiry by saying to them, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them that are asleep 
that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also uh, them which sleep in Jesus uh, will God bring with him. For we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them uh, which are asleep. And so as we look at that matter, we can see the legitimate concern is what happens next after death. What happens to these folks, they said, these loved ones of ours, uh, uh, these people that we know and love, uh, we follow them to the grave, we put them in the ground, uh, we do the best we can to make the ceremony as profound and lasting uh, as we can so that we don't forget them too soon. Uh, but after we have laid them to rest, when the grass grows over the grave, uh, when the memorial that we have raised uh, uh, begins to be turned by the weather, uh, when time goes on, what happens to those folks uh, that we have place there uh, in the mother earth. Uh, and so Paul answered that uh, uh, by giving them the glorious uh, hope of the resurrection uh, and saying we uh, are not as concerned uh, about sleeping in the earth uh, as we are rising in the air. Uh, for we shall, he said, rise uh, and Jesus Christ shall return uh, and we'll not prevent them that are asleep. Uh, we're just going to join those as they rise uh, and be caught up uh, uh, to meet the Lord in the the air. Death is a legitimate concern. I thought as I was in the little country of Haiti some years ago and I watched a funeral procession that they were having, uh, I thought how different it was uh, when they carried that loved one along in that little narrowed uh, mahogany box uh, and as they followed behind the box and beat upon themselves and mourned and wailed uh, and when then would go to the cemetery and have the burial and then they'd mourn uh, uh, longer uh, then they would take fruit and food to try to appease uh, the evil spirits uh, and mourn some more I felt in my heart a, a grief and a sorrow and if I could have spoken the language well enough I'd have tried to stop that little funeral position and said to them I want to tell you what Jesus said he said I am the resurrection and the life and if a man believe in me though he were dead yet shall he live praise the Lord I couldn't do that there. There was no possible way. Uh, the language barrier prohibited that. Uh, but thanks be to God tonight, I want to tell you something. Uh, if you have a legitimate concern about the hereafter, uh, God has uh, a very uh, a functional program for you to enter. Uh, and you can forget about sorrow. Uh, you can forget about dying. Uh, you can forget about crying. Uh, even though the natural will mourn uh, the loss of one that leaves. Uh, but you can really forget about all of that uh, because I tell you on the authority of God's word uh, that Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life. Praise the Lord. When we think about this matter of being caught up with the Lord in the air, there are some things that we need to look at in this chapter because uh, we first would consider the character of those uh, who shall be caught up. Look at chapter 4, and you will find some things here. In verse number 1, the writer talks about our pleasing God. In verse number 3, he talks about our abstinence from fornication. In verse number 4, he talks about our possessing our vessel in sanctification and in honor. In verse number 6, he talks about our not defrauding our brother. In verse number 9, he talks about loving one another. In verse number 11, he talks about studying to be quiet. 
In verse number 12, he tells us that we should walk honestly toward them that are without and have need of nothing or not have a lack in our spiritual man. And in verse number 13, he tells us not to sorrow as others which have no hope. So you must follow these requirements from the word of God. It is absolutely necessary that your heart meets certain scriptural requirements if you want to be caught up in that meeting in the air, you must first meet the prerequisites of God's holy word. It's the only way that you can expect to be caught up when the trumpet sounds. My father tells of how when he was a boy 17 years of age, he uh, was just uh, he was just really coming back to his health again after a long siege of illness. Uh, but he tells about how, as a boy of 17 crossing the hills uh, of Carter County, Kentucky, taking a message to a sister uh, who lived over in the other uh, edge of the other county. He said as he traveled along that Sunday afternoon, he came down a slope and came to a fork in the road. And he said sitting there at the fork in the road was a little white uh, uh, church. And he said as he approached the church, he heard singing coming uh, from within. Dad said, I went over and put my back up against the front wall of that church. For when I looked down, the knee was out of my trousers and the elbow was out of my shirt and I didn't have any shoes on my feet. He said, I knew that I wasn't dressed to go into the house of God, though he knew nothing really about religion. He had that much respect for God's house. He said, I wasn't really dressed to go in, so I put my back against the front wall and listened while that little country choir sang, there's gonna be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. And I wanna meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. And you know how the song goes. Dad said, as I stood there with my back pressed against the wall and listened to that song that was coming out a hunger grew up in my heart I said oh God if there's going to be a meeting in the air one of these days don't leave me out of that meeting I want to be in that meeting in the air he said I didn't know what to do about the hunger in my soul I left the church and took the message to my sister but God knew what to do about that hunger in his heart he married my father to the daughter of a holiness preacher and he knew what to tell him about the need that was in his heart and so in a revival meeting in the state of Michigan uh, where my grandfather was preaching uh, dad uh, turned up at that revival uh, uh, because he had been invited in a strange way he wouldn't come uh, uh, because the devil had hardened his heart uh, but finally grandfather got him there as to watch the outside of the building uh, to keep the boys from throwing stones at the window and disrupting the service uh, but the boys didn't come that night uh, but the Holy Spirit did uh, and the Spirit of God reached out on the front steps of that little church and got a hold of my father and I was only five years old but I remember the door opening and dad coming in uh, and taking off his old black leather jacket and marching down the center aisle and he wasn't looking for a place to sit down uh, he was looking for a place to kneel down uh, he went straight to the altar put his hands in the air called on God for mercy uh, and in a little bit he was flat on his back in the floor uh, not able to speak a word uh, but when he rose up uh, he had the victory in his 
heart. Uh, I can remember the next morning as we rode down the streets uh, of Flint, Michigan in our old 34 model Oldsmobile uh, that was such a poor car that it took two batteries and a blowtorch to start in the winter time. Uh, I remember riding down the streets of Flint, Michigan and dad saying to my mother, you know, my car runs better this morning, he said. And he said, I've been looking at the sky and the sky looks bluer. And he said, you look prettier to me and the children behave nicer. He said, the whole world has changed since I've been saved. Mom said, no, it isn't the world that's changed. It's you that have changed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things have become new. With that, he just wheeled the old Oldsmobile over to the curb, put his head down on the steering wheel and began to weep and cry. It wasn't long till mom joined in. It wasn't long till sis and I in the back seat joined in. We just had a crying concert there by the curb that morning as God blessed my father's heart and he wept over his newfound faith. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm just trying to tell you there are requirements that we must meet in order to be one of those who are caught up in this meeting in the air. The scripture said you must know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and in honor and only when you've met the requirements of the word of God can you be a hopeful candidate for a cloud ride to heaven friends. You have to meet God's requirements if you want to be caught up in that meeting in the air. The second thing that I mentioned tonight is the fact that the Bible teaches us that there is a concern that we all should have if we expect to be caught up in this meeting in the air. The first one that I noticed here as I read a little further is the indication that if we expect to be one of those who is, who is caught up, we are going to have to be children of light. Notice it a little further down in the next chapter where the writer said for yourselves know perfectly that day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. But verse number five said ye are the children of light Verse number six says, therefore let us not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. And then he tells us in verse number nine, for God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. When the scripture tells us that we are to be the children of light, then we would also recognize that as the scripture teaches, we must walk in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship ourselves with himself that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, would cleanse us from all sin. Now there is a depression in the world today. We've gotten over somewhat that one that, that happened in the social sense, the physical sense many years ago. That time when it was hard to get a dollar for anything. That time when folks uh, uh, just lived and made do as the old expression was, uh, uh, you know, when things would wear out, uh, uh, the expression was you either made do uh, or did without. It was one of the other uh, back in those times uh, of the depression. 
I can't remember much about it. That's a little bit before my time. I've heard the old timers make plenty of reference to it. There would be a lot of people right here in this congregation tonight that could tell you more about it than I could tell you about that time. But I'll tell you this, my friends, while there may not be a depression in the sense that Americans are not suffering for the want of the material things, we live in a very affluent society. There seems to be plenty of everything. And if you don't have what you need, there's an agency and a place where you can acquire what you need. Our needs in the physical are minimal by comparison to the needs of those who suffered through that awful dark time of social distress. But I'll tell you tonight, my friends, if I, I, I hope I can really state my heart's feelings in this. If I have to take my choice between doing without the natural things and the physical things and being short on bread and being short on the knowledge of redeeming grace and the short on the visitation of the Spirit of God for my life, I would rather do without the physical than to do without the spiritual for I can live a while and die physically if necessary if I don't have what I need in the physical sense this old physical man will just pass away well if he passes away thank God I have another place and I've got another glorified body just waiting on me to step into it and so if this old fleshly tabernacle be destroyed Paul said we have a heavenly tabernacle reserved for us in the heavens so that would not be so despairing and so distressful. But the thing that plagues my heart and the thing that distresses my soul and the thing that stirs my spirit tonight is you can't get folks as interested as they ought to be in this wonderful, gracious provision that God has made with regard to their eternal salvation. You can preach about hell. You can preach about the judgment. You can tell them the end is coming. You can tell them that God God is angry with sin. You can say whatever you want to say to this generation of which we are a part. They'll look you right in the eye and shrug their shoulders and go on toward destruction and pay no attention to the message of truth at all because there's a depression on. It's a famine that's on this land of ours. It's a famine that's existing in this world of ours. It's not for the want of bread and of water, but for the hearing of the word of God. Oh, you say it's because we don't have enough preachers to preach it. It's also because we don't have enough folks concerned enough to listen to what the preacher has to say and warn them about their spiritual circumstances. We need to be the children of light. We need to be watching as the songwriter said, keep your lamps all trimmed and burning and for the bridegroom watch and wait and he'll be with us in that meeting just inside the eastern gate. Oh, I wish there was some way to stir folks up for I see them slipping into stages of lethargy and stages of spiritual despair and stages of spiritual dis discouragement and one after one they seem to sink beneath the surface of a lively expression of grace and fall beneath the privileges provided by God until they reach that awful tide and are swept out somewhere into a sea of sin because they just failed to keep themselves as the children of light.
Some years ago, when I was running a business in the city of Columbus, I had a little fella got saved in my church. I won't go all into the details of that, but he, he was a sinner, knew nothing of God by his own testimony, said that he thought the word Jesus Christ was nothing more than a curse word. But he came to Jesus. I helped him to find the way to the foot of the old rugged cross, and God forgave and saved that wicked boy. And I can tell you it was a wonderful conversion. God just almost instantly changed him from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he was so excited about it, he wanted to tell everybody. I had him working in the back room. I had a lady that come in every Tuesday morning. And when she would come in, she always went out with a good load of things. She was a good customer because she spent a lot of money in the store. You people in business will understand that. You'll know what I mean. It takes those kind of people to keep any kind of business alive. And so I called her a good customer, and I didn't know anything about her moral circumstances. But I can remember that Tuesday morning when that young fellow came out of the back room with a two-wheeler and a barrel of merchandise. He came out there. He set the barrel of merchandise down on the floor, went over to the counter, looked my customer right in the eye and said, Lady, are you saved? Because if you're not, the Lord's coming back and you'll be left behind. And he turned around and went in the back room and left her on my hands. She got upset. Uh, I saw the color coming up in her face and usually, you know, the color comes up and then something else follows right after that. And, and she did. She had an eruption uh, and she began to tell me things and pound on the counter and tell me how she didn't appreciate it uh, and she just did not appreciate it. She was a member in good standing of the Methodist Church and paid her subscription and served on the Missionary Council and all of that and left the store in a huff. And I said goodbye to a good customer but Thursday she came back. She came in Thursday and she was a little more, uh, she was a little more uh, easy to get along with on Thursday than she had been on Tuesday. But she came in and she said, where's that little fella that came out here and asked me if I was safe? She said, Mr. McGinnis, that made me awful mad. She said, and I didn't act very nice, did I? And I said, well, well, you know, I, I didn't want to agree with her too much. I didn't want her to do it again. I said, well, and she said, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't act very nice. I certainly didn't act like I should have. And I want to apologize to you, and I want to apologize to him. So I brought him out, and she apologized to him. She said, I'm sorry. But when you said what you did to me the other day, you, you made me mad, she said. I, she said, I didn't like it. Uh, but she said, I went home, and all the way home, that kept ringing in my ears. Are you saved? Because if you're not, the Lord's coming back, and you'll be left behind. She said, it kept me up. I couldn't go to sleep that night. She said, I, I sat up till about 1 o'clock in the morning thinking about it, and I had a restless night, and I got up the next morning, and the first thing I thought of at the breakfast table was, are you saved? Because if you're not, the Lord's coming back, and you'll be left behind. She said, Mr. McGinnis, uh, I used to be a good Christian. Uh, I gave my heart to Jesus as a girl in a protracted meeting uh, in the Methodist church years ago, but I hadn't been keeping up on it, sir. But I just came back to tell you, and she smiled so brightly, 
differently. She said, I just came back to tell you that yesterday afternoon by the big chair in the living room, I prayed until God put the joy back in my heart. Now, she said, I'm saved. Now I'm ready to go if Jesus comes. And she said, and you're ready to go, Mr. McGinnis, and he's ready to go, and I'm ready to go. I thought she's going to have a shouting Methodist spell right there in the in the store. She just nearly did. She got, she's up on her toes. When she was talking that way, she settled back down, shook our hand, and left the store. And I watched the little fella go in the back room, and I thought, now here I've been in the ministry all of these years, and I never thought to say that to anybody, but he just came out there in sweet righteous innocency and laid it on the line and told it like it was and brought her right back into the kingdom of God. Well, friends, you can say what you please. I'm your friend tonight, but I'm here to warn you and I'm here to tell you that if you're not right and your heart isn't right and you're not saved from every sin and you're not filled with the Spirit of God, if you don't have the be a, a blessed, sweet assurance in your heart right now, the things are right between you and the Lord. The trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to come and the saints are going to rise. The graves are going to burst open. We're going to have a hallelujah time sailing off on a cloud to meet Jesus on the cloud to sail off to meet friends in the eternal world. I can tell you something tonight. If your sins aren't covered by the blood, if your life isn't right with God, if you don't have your arrangements made, the trumpet will sound and you will be left here to suffer the consequences of your disobedience and your spiritual neglect. If you read on down in this chapter a little bit further, you find that the consequences of not being caught up or the consequences of being unprepared, the writer said that day would come as a thief in the night. He said they'll say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. And he said, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. He said, for we're not appointed unto wrath, but we're appointed to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I could read you other places in the word of God but I'm sure you know full well tonight the scripture said in the last days there would come scoffers walking after their own lust, saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And I'm sure you're aware that the scripture said that God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But that day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements melt with a fervent heat and the earth and all its works therein shall be burned up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto that notable day of our God in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements melt with a fervent heat and the earth and all its works therein shall be burned up. Did you think this world was going to last forever? Did you think that God would never bring a stop to this? Do you think that God has not provided in his magnificent 
magnificent plan of redemption and salvation to not only purge the hearts of humanity, he'll expunge and erase from his creation entirely the mark and the stain of sin one of these days. One of these blessed bright mornings when the dawn of eternal bliss has arisen, the devil will be forever removed and the stain of sin will be expunged from the surface of God's glorious creation and God will provide time and place where saints can serve him eternally throughout the endless ages of eternity where the dark stigma of sin has never prevailed and where the dark ugly head of the serpent has never risen and where the blight of sin has never come. God has arranged that one of these days he'll take the memory of sin entirely from the mind of creation and he said on the streets of glory I'll wipe all the tears from your eyes. I'll put the devil out of business. I'll put sin and sighing and sorrowing forever to past and lay it to rest for eternity. And while the devil wallows the flames of a scorching hell, I'll be walking the shining streets of a glowing heaven with my arm in the arm of the saints of God and the prophets and the elders. I'm not planning on spending eternity with this mess of sin. I'm planning on getting out from under it one of these days. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, let me tell you something tonight. The consequences of sin is that you will never see that glorious, pristine holiness of God as God intended it in the beginning. When he put old Adam back there in the Garden of Eden, he put the, he put the sky over his head for a roof. Uh, he put the foliage of the garden around him for his walls. Uh, he put the grass down as his carpet. Uh, and uh, he put the animals there for his entertainment. Uh, uh, he put the bees there to feed him honey. Uh, he put the roses there to give him perfume. Uh, he provided every need that he had. Uh, and Adam could walk with God under a cloudless sky uh, in a garden where there were no thorns on the roses, uh, where there were no stingers on the bees and if he met a shaggy mane lion in the path of the garden he could pet it like a tame cat because there was no growl in the throat of the animal kingdom toward God's creation. Well the scripture said the curse is going to be lifted one of these days and the lion and the wolf is going to, uh, the lion the lamb, the wolf and the lamb is going to lay down together. Yes God intends to wipe away the mark of sin one of these glorious mornings. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I wouldn't want to be left behind to see what little bit the devil had claimed for his inheritance. I wouldn't want to be left without the wedding garment on. I must close my message tonight. But there's one other thing that I want to mention to you in closing, and that is the fact that you and I, if we fail the grace of God, we are facing inevitable destruction. I came home from a revival. I'd been over in the state of Pennsylvania. I was pulling a trailer with a pickup truck. There was a design in that truck that I didn't know about that caused a problem in the steering. I brought my trailer home from Pennsylvania I'd just come over some steep high mountains. I'd been around some places where I'd really had to been pulling on the steering uh, to get that vehicle to do what it should. The old truck didn't have power steering. I got home and backed my trailer into its usual place. I unhooked from the trailer. I pulled around into the driveway.
Uh, the next night was prayer meeting. My wife took the family and went on. I had some other things I had to do, and I would just barely make it in time. I got in the truck and started to the prayer meeting. I pulled up in front of the church and started to turn into the parking lot of the church. And the steering wheel started spinning on the end of the shaft. I got out and kicked the tires around enough to pull it in and park it. When I got out of that truck, I thought about that mountain in Pennsylvania that I'd just come over with a long trailer behind me. I thought about that place where I was so high I could look across the caps of the guardrails and down over the side. It was a long way down there to the bottom. I remember thinking as I went along, what would happen to me if I went over that place? There'd be hardly anything left that they could pick up in pieces much larger than the size of your fist. Here I was going around those curves, coming down those mountains, pulling on the steering wheel of that truck, and out under that hood, there was no more steel to turn that wheel and to drive those gears than something about the size of a match stem when we pulled the shaft out. It had been worn and worn and worn and worn until there was just that thin piece of metal, and then it snapped off. I went in in church and got on my knees. I couldn't get up and tell the congregation what I was weeping about. But the hot tears run down my cheeks and I said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for getting me over the mountain. Thank you for getting me home and getting the trailer in its place. Thank you for not letting that thing break out on the four-lane highway coming to prayer meeting tonight where I would have smashed into someone and been killed. I thanked him and I wept as I thanked him for it. But let me tell you something tonight. There's some of you right here in this service that's driving your life and you have worn the providence of God mighty thin. You've said no time and time again. And you've driven on and on and on and you're driving with one thin thread of hope left for your circumstances. And if you don't get to God up on a high mountain on the edge of a precarious precipice, you're going to snap that little brittle thread of divine provision for God gets tired after a while. And down you'll go for eternity. Yes, the trumpet will sound. Yes, the saints will rise. Yes, we'll join them on the cloud, but only if we have made our calling and our election sure. Shall we stand together? I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com.
This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. 